All right, welcome. If uh, you don't know me, my name is Dave, one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to preach to you today. But this is always such an exciting season in the life of the church. It's our fall launch. And I know some of you are thinking fall lunch, which we're also having. And uh, I, I saw this meme the other day that made me think of you because I know this is how you're feeling around now. Throw that, throw that up there. Uh, all that's standing between you and lunch is my sermon. I know, I know. Uh, so I'm going to try my best. You're going to start smelling curry pretty soon. I'm going to start try my best to be short-ish maybe today. Uh, but I'm really excited to start sharing with you. Because at this time of year, uh, one of the things we've done the last couple of years is, is really talked about our vision as a church. Who we are, what God is doing among us, where he's taking us. And so I'm excited to do that again for this month of September as we look specifically at our church values, the things that are most important to us. And one of the great things about preaching on, on vision in the church is, is not only does it remind us, it kind of refocuses us on who we are and what we're called to do, but it's also an invitation to once again refocus our, ourselves as individuals on what God wants for our own lives, an invitation for us to work together in unity as a church toward a common purpose. So I'm excited to teach uh, this series this month. Now, as I start, I, I've got this $20 bill in my hands. And uh, what is the value of this paper money? Uh, almost nothing these days, I know. Uh, but what is the value? Paper money only has value because of the monetary system that was developed. And like this $20 bill doesn't, isn't actually worth $20. The materials of this bill aren't worth $20. We've decided that this represents 20 Canadian dollars. And so that's the value of this paper money. However, it also represents another kind of value because I could take some of my money and I could take this and I could go buy some groceries to feed my kids. Uh, but I could also, if I had a couple more of these, I could go golfing. Like, do my kids need to eat every day? Is that a rule? So it represents another kind of value, not just the value represented by this bill, but we make decisions, we make value-based decisions on how we spend personal resources. Of course, I'm going to buy my kids the Cheerios, I'll have to save up, and my golf game will suffer so that my kids can flourish because I have personal values for my children that outweigh other things that I enjoy doing. But the church is also the same way. How do we discern together? What will we use our resources for? Our time, our energy, our talent, our, our money as a church and our, our staff, what will they prioritize? Well, we need to figure out what God wants for us and we need to figure out what's most important to us. In other words, what do we value most? Because we could do a billion different things, but we have limited resources. What decisions we make are going to be based on values. So in 2020, 2021, our church went through a significant season of, of transition and difficulty like a lot of churches did. And so the leadership here thought it would be wise to reassess, to look again, to kind of step back again and do a complete refresh on how we articulate our purpose, our vision, our values as a church. We thought it was an important process of discernment. And so last year at this time, we introduced to you a refreshed purpose statement. And let me give you a quick refresher on that. Uh, the purpose of the church, the purpose of the worldwide church, 
was articulated by Jesus himself in Matthew 28, verse 19, where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. He says it simply, he says it clearly. We call this the Great Commission. He promises to be with us. Every church, every Christian is called to this purpose of making disciples all over the world. It's one of the reasons why we participate in missions, not only globally, but locally. Additionally, though, it's helpful to articulate Jesus' mandate to our own context. This specific congregation, in this specific location, in this specific time in history, has a calling. So how are we going to articulate Jesus' mission for us as a local congregation, which is called Abbotsford Pentecostal Assembly? So last year, we introduced this refreshed purpose statement to you. We said, we are helping each other follow Jesus at home, in our city, and around the world. That's what it's all about. We are all about helping each other follow Jesus. We are working together. You're helping me follow Jesus. I'm helping you follow Jesus. The location of that is in our homes. It's in our workplaces and wherever we are in the city. And it's around the world through our mission partnerships. We are all about helping people follow Jesus. If people ask you, what is your church about? We're about helping each other follow Jesus. Why do you go to church? Because I need help following Jesus and I have an opportunity to help others follow Jesus too. Why do you volunteer in kids' ministry? Because kids need help following Jesus and kids actually have a special way of teaching me what it means to follow Jesus. We are all helping each other follow Jesus. The language for this was inspired out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, where Paul tells the Ephesian church, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The body of Christ, the church, is the body of Christ. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We want to be a church where each one of us, each part of our church family, each part of the body of Christ is doing what they can do, doing what they are uniquely gifted and called to do, working in unity to help each other grow in health and fullness of love and the Holy Spirit. And so we did a whole uh, series on that last September. Feel free to go back on our website to check that out. So now as we pursue this mission, as we pursue our goal of helping each other follow Jesus, how will we make decisions? How will we stay focused? How will we make sure that the most important things remain the most important things? What's the most effective way to help each other follow Jesus? This is where values come in. Values help guide our decision-making process. When we know what's most important to us, we can discern between two things that may seem good on the surface, but one of them is better because it more aligns with the heart that God has given us for ministry here in Abbotsford. So for the next four weeks, we're going to introduce to you four things that we value most. Now, before I start with this week's value, there's two last comments I want to make about values, just to make sure we're all speaking the same language and we're all on the same page. Number one, Values are discerned and not dictated. Values are discerned, not dictated. True values are already present, already evident in a community and need to be discerned or discovered. Values aren't something that a leader shows up and says, these are our values. I've come with a word from the Lord. I was up on the mountain. Here's the stone tablets, which are APA's values. 
No, values are discerned. God has been speaking to APA for over a hundred years. He has spoken something into us. He's given us passions and desires and values over that time. And so we need to do the work of listening well, discerning well to discover what is most important in our hearts. That's why we've spent two years in this process. We spent time praying together and doing ministry together and listening to God's voice together. We did vision gatherings throughout 2022. We've spent all this time just seeing what God is doing among us and stirring among us so that we can discern what's most important in our calling in this context. So as we did all that work, these values just kind of popped for us. And I'll explain throughout the series how we discovered these things. Second point to make on values before we continue is this. Don't worry, we do value the Bible. Don't worry, we do value the Bible. Here's what I mean by that. As we uh, announce these values to you, you won't see things like, we at APA value the Bible. You won't see, we value Jesus. You won't see, we value worship. That doesn't mean we don't value those things. In fact, those are some of the most important things to us. But those are what we call permission to play values. Like you can't call yourself a church if you don't value Jesus. You can't call yourself a church if you don't value the Bible. It's like a basketball team can't play basketball without a basketball, right? It's just permission to play. The only way you can play is with a basketball. The only way you can be a Christian church is by valuing Jesus and the Bible and worship, okay? The basketball team doesn't need to put, we value basketballs in their value statements. Okay, so don't worry. We do value the Bible. What these values represent is the things that are uniquely important to this body of believers. Maybe what makes us distinct from other local churches the things that are most important to this group of people that God has called to this place at this time. So don't worry, we do value the Bible. So let me express the value of the Bible by opening the scriptures. We've got a few scriptures to look at today. Um, Open up to Acts chapter two, it'll be on the screen in a moment as well. And I've always loved this passage. And as you read about the early church in Acts, there's so many wonderful things to learn, their successes and their challenges. But there's this little passage that provides such an amazing framework for what was going on in the church, what what was building so much health for the early church. So there's this summary statement in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It describes all the believers. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to these practices. They were committed to this rhythm of life, learning from the scriptures, fellowshipping together, sharing meals, and praying together. I've always loved this because I believe that if today's church wants to experience some of the same results the early church experienced, we should participate and practice and be devoted to the same things the early church was devoted to. They were devoted. They were focused on the apostles' teaching fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. Now, these four things don't represent values. These are practices in the church with values that undergirded them. But today's value, you'll see, aligns with the practice of fellowship. It aligns with the practice of fellowship. You can turn to Philippians chapter 1. Pastor Shad read my sermon text earlier. 
and I'll read it again, give a bit of context again here. Paul is writing to the Philippian church and he's writing really a friendship letter because Paul has been imprisoned, but he's in prison because he's been planting churches. He's been on a missionary journey around the world and the Philippian church has been supporting him throughout it all. Paul helped start the Philippian church. Then he went off to plant other churches, but they supported him. They partnered with him. They, they financed him. They, they gave him friendship and, and committed to prayer for Paul. And so he's writing this letter of friendship, thanking them among other things. And so he writes this in Philippians 1, 3 to 6. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So here's one of our church values represented in this passage. We value partnership. We value partnership. Let me explain how this value stood out to us. Paul is talking about the partnership he had with the Philippian church, a local body of believers like APA, Paul traveled and planted churches. He went out to all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples like Jesus said he should. And he was very much like a mission partner for the Philippian church, much like our nine mission partners are for us. Paul says to them, you've partnered with me in the gospel. You've partnered with me financially. You've partnered with me in prayer. You've partnered with me in friendship. You've partnered with me in in manpower. They actually sent people to go minister to Paul and help him, particularly when he was in prison. And here's how this connects back to Acts 2.42. Because the word translated partnership here is the Greek word koinonia, which a lot of places in the New Testament is translated as fellowship, like in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to partnership. Sometimes when we think of that kind of churchy word, fellowship, we think of lunches after church. We think of having a coffee at Milk and Honey. We think of handshakes and high fives and hugs when we greet each other. And that is a part of fellowship, but that's not the main crux of what this word meant, particularly in the first century. The idea of koinonia goes so much deeper than friendship and handshakes. Koinonia in the first century actually wasn't a religious term at all. It was actually a business term. It represented the fact that two parties came together to share responsibility and share work. They had a common goal, a common vision, a common mission, and they both gave everything they could together in order to see that mission accomplished. So Paul and the Philippian church, they were partners. They were in business together. They weren't in the textile business. They weren't in the software business. They weren't in the restaurant business. They were in the business of the gospel. They were partners in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. They were working together to help people follow Jesus. Did you know that if you call APA home, we are in business together? We are in partnership together, you and I and the person beside you and the person who's helping in kids ministry and our team that's setting up for lunch today. We are partners in the gospel. Together, we give what we can to help each other follow Jesus, to accomplish the mission Jesus 
has given us. We are partners with our nine mission partners around the world. We are partners with Shekinah Glory Multicultural Ministries that we helped plant last year. They're the ones uh, leading the charge cooking for us today. We're partners in so many ways with so many people. I think of our, our partnership with Summit Pacific College. Where's our Summit students? I think there's a big block of you up there. Welcome back. It's good to meet you, to see you up there. Uh, we have other college and university students back after the summer break. We're so glad that you're here. But particularly, we're so excited about working together with Summit Pacific College to create an environment where students can learn and grow and develop their ministry skills and grow in their character. And whether they stay here or go anywhere else in the world, we get to participate and partner with their development to see the gospel of Jesus Christ expand throughout the world. That's so exciting to me, the partnerships that we have. So we value partnership because the church is a community. We all have gifts to share. We don't just come to church and watch professionals do ministry. We find a way for everyone to participate. We value partnership because God values partnership. God created human beings, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. God could do everything himself, but instead he decides to call us according to his purposes so that we can join in his goodness and experience his grace and share that with the rest of creation. We value partnership because church isn't an individual sport. It doesn't work when just one person or just a few people do all the work. It works best, like Paul said to the Ephesians, when we all work together, when each one of us does our part, it helps the rest of us get healthy together. And we value partnership because working together is part of what it means to be human. God said it is not good for man to be alone and he made a partner for him. We partner together because it's part of being a healthy human being. And a church that is unified is an incredible testimony to a church or to a world that is so fragmented today. If people from different backgrounds and, and grew up in different places and different countries would raise differently, if we can all come together and find a way to be unified and work together, what a testimony that is. Because the world can't do that. Let me share an illustration about practically how this works. Now I'm repeating myself. I'm sorry. I shared this illustration in June. I just think it's really helpful and practical on the issue of partnership. But it's also topical because it's back to school season. But this is how the mission of APA moves forward. This is how we practice partnership. There are three driving forces that enable our church to move forward in our mission. Very simply said, money, volunteerism, and prayer. Giving, being generous, giving our time and talents, and getting on our knees together and interlocking our arms and crying out to the Lord to move on our behalf. Those are the three things that drive the mission of APA forward. Now, this is the image I shared again with you in June. It's back to school week. Let's see that big old yellow school bus Anybody grow up going to school on a big school bus? I did. School buses are a lot like church, right? You get on there, it's, it can be crowded, it can be loud. Sometimes they're singing, sometimes they're fighting. It's church, right? That's just how, how it is. But the, you get on the bus and it's taking you on a journey. It's taking you to a destination, but the bus needs a big engine to haul everybody along. 
And that engine is powered in three ways. Number one, the bus needs fuel. It's not going anywhere unless it has fuel. And just like my car and my van, it seems like they always need to be filled with gas because we always need to go somewhere. Yes, the church always needs finances. The church always needs financial support. Every week we say, hey, would you give? Would you participate? We need the fuel to keep going, to keep investing in ministry, to keep blessing our community, to keep helping each other follow Jesus. We all need to participate by filling up the gas tank. The second thing that helps that, that engine go is it needs oil. Oils need to be lubricated so that they do not burn out or explode, right? If a church is only run by a few people, if it's only a handful of staff and a handful of leaders, those people doing all the work, they will burn out. They will explode. It will not work. That's why they say a team needs to work like a well-oiled machine. We need volunteers. We need everybody in this church to participate so that we can continue to keep that engine going. And the last thing an engine needs is a spark. Nothing gets started unless there's a spark. Doesn't matter how much gas you have, doesn't matter how many people are involved and no matter how much oil there is, unless the electrical system sparks that flame into existence, nothing is going to happen. And that spark comes through prayer. That spark comes as we call out on the name of the Lord, asking him to work on our behalf, asking him to intervene in our community, asking him for wisdom and grace and to build unity among us by his spirit. That spark comes as we get on our knees and we pray. And guess what? The bus needs all three of those things. It can't run on just fuel and oil. It can't run on just oil and a spark. It needs all three. And each one of us needs to participate in all three of those things. It's not a buffet, right? Hey, guess what? If you're new, you're just checking our church out, I'm talking to our APA people, all right? It's not a buffet. You don't show up and say, I'll take prayer. Someone else can give, right? I recognize that some people can give more than others, but everyone can give a little. I recognize that some people have more time and more energy to volunteer than others, but everyone can serve a little. And I recognize that some people are more passionate and more called to prayer than others, but everyone can pray a little. As we all partner together, man, this, this thing runs. And the church of Jesus Christ grows and Jesus is glorified and a city is reached and people are saved and healed and, and connected and friendships are built and lives are transformed when we all do our part. As Paul says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the kind of church APA is becoming. By the grace of God, we're becoming a kind of church that is healthy, a kind of church that is life-giving, a kind of church that loves one another. That's the dream, and that's the journey we're on together. So if there's one next step you can take, if there's one next step you can take, is come back next week, and we have our ministry fair, and there's going to be all kinds of opportunities there. We invite you not only to see the kind of fun things you can participate in, and the events you can participate in, and the ministries that are there to serve you, but also look for an opportunity for you to serve others, for you to have an opportunity to help someone else follow Jesus. If all of us had that attitude, how can I help someone follow Jesus? What a beautiful church of unity and love 
we would have? And what could Jesus do with a church full of people who are willing to love each other? Let me finish with this. Band, you can come back up. Back to Philippians chapter one in verse six. Paul writes, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is confident. He is confident that when the church prioritizing, prioritizes partnering together for the sake of the expansion of the kingdom of God, God is working in that church to do good things. When we prioritize the work of God, when we give our energy and our resources and our prayers toward the mission, when we're working together to do good, God is doing good work in us. You can read about how the church in Philippi started if you open up to Acts chapter 16. I won't read it now, but it's a fascinating story. Paul and Silas show up and they find a women's prayer meeting down by a river and they tell them about Jesus and some of these ladies get baptized and a wealthy merchant named Lydia starts hosting regular meetings in her home. Later, Paul and Silas are walking down the streets of Philippi and this slave girl who's demon-possessed, she's, she's kind of bugging them or the demon's bugging them and, and Paul gives her liberty. He casts out the demon and, and she gets freed. She meets Jesus. And then Paul and Silas are in prison because of that. They caused a big ruckus. They're in prison. They're worshiping all night and the prison walls fall down and the, and the, the bars break and the Roman prison guard meets Jesus and his whole family gets baptized and, and starts walking with Jesus. And so you have this weird, eclectic, diverse group of people who start, like I imagine they're all meeting at Lydia's house, these, these Jewish women. Maybe this slave girl had the opportunity to come and this Roman guard and his household, this very diverse group of people who don't normally socialize together are now in unity around a common faith in Jesus Christ who saved them. When Paul says, he who began a good work, that's what he's talking about. And it just started so small, but this church grew and flourished to a point where now they're, they're financing Paul's missionary journeys. They're financing church plants. They're, they're sending their own ministers out to support Paul and minister to him in jail. They're doing all these amazing things, expanding the kingdom. And it started so small. APA was planted over 100 years ago. And it's had its ups and downs. It's had its moments. I've only been here for two years, just a small part of the history. But what I know is that in the last two years, God has once again started a good thing. We are a church that's growing in health and growing in size and seeing people baptized and saved and lives transformed. And just today, seeing the amount of people in the kitchen serving and setting up and our, our missions committee and our big band and all these people who are serving and using their gifts to build up the church and help people follow Jesus. It's amazing. But he's just getting started. And that which he has started, he will bring to completion. God is not just a starter, he is a finisher. And as we continue to walk with him and trust him and to take what we have and offer it to him and for his glory, God will do something amazing in our church. We are all invited to get on the bus and join in the journey. I'm so excited for what God is gonna do because what he has started, he will finish. Please stand with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we are so, so grateful for what you have begun in us. We believe and we are confident like Paul that he who began a good work in us 
is faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God, we pray that what we have experienced, your goodness, health and vitality and growth in our church, that we pray that this is just the beginning, that you would continue to work and move in power among us and and, and call out uh, the gifts and abilities you've given us and challenge us toward faithfulness, Lord God. Protect us from the work of the enemy that would try to steal, kill, and destroy. Give us your Holy Spirit to give us unity and love for one another. And God, I pray that the testimony of a church that loves one another and is built together in unity would go out into the world and draw people in, Lord God, to experience the good work you're doing here. God, we love you. We're so thankful for your goodness. And we pray, Lord God, not only for us, but for all the churches in Abbotsford, for the churches of British Columbia and Canada and around the world, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit and do a new work, start something fresh, Lord God, that would bring renewal and revival and transformation to a world that is so desperate for your love and for your good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together and celebrate.